So you guys have been in the tower for a little bit now. You got done with the Archmage and uh, you went to the brewery, got all your beer, all that good stuff. You're all ready to go. And you went to Tess and um, she says to you guys that there are some dust storms brewing in the red sands around the tomb where they're going to where she wanted to send you. So um, the service is pretty bad and she doesn't want to open up a portal to send you there and you guys get all jumbled, jumbled up. So uh, she says, we're going to wait till these things pass. So you actually wait a couple days uh, in, in the wizard's tower, in the arcane tower. Um, and so you get some R&R. And this is the first time you guys have actually gotten a chance to kind of relax and soak everything in since all this stuff happened with Woodhaven. Um, so I wanted to give you a chance to do some role playing and, and figure out a little bit about your backstories and just kind of what's going through your all's heads now that action has kind of, uh, calmed down. So, uh, what would, what would be Durf, what would Durf be doing on, on an off day in the arcade tower? Uh, you know, Durf likes to, um, you know, he's a druid, so he likes to go uh outside and sort of commune with nature okay look at look at look at birds and things yeah so there's Um, there's um the arcane tower kind of sits on this rocky mountain um a rocky kind of island over this glass lake uh so there are some parts out there uh that you can kind of sit and and look over the waters and um what else um and uh he likes to play chess Chess. His, uh, yeah, yeah. Does that exist in Dungeons and Dragons? He likes to play a game that is just like chess and exists in the Dungeons and Dragons world because <laughs> uh, his mom taught him how to play when he was a kid, and he likes it. And uh, lots of wizards play chess too, so he plays chess with them. Oh, cool. Okay, so you probably do that. Um, I guess the only real place to play chess with a bunch of tables would be like in the Hall of Knowledge, it's a big library. So you kind of hang out there and play chess with some of the wizards you've met. You mentioned yep. your um, you mentioned your mom. You want to tell me about her? Uh, my mom raised me. I grew up uh, way out on the outskirts of Woodhaven, near the woods, um, kind of near slash in the woods. Uh, my mom was the only parent around. She was also quite a powerful druid, um, and she brought me up, sort of religiously you, you could say with a strong affinity for nature and the outdoors and uh yeah that's basically how i became a druid through my close relationship with my mom nice okay um so so you're hanging out you're you're playing chess um you just finished a game with with one of the other wizards that you met uh and you're sitting and you're looking through some some of the books in the library probably on animals um, to kind of get a better sense of maybe some animals that you didn't know about from from Woodhaven, from those that that place outside the city, um, and you feel a tug on your cloak. It's not tug; it's like a yank um, on your cloak. And you turn to your left, you look down, and you see this little girl. Um, she's got like long brown hair and these big brown eyes, and she looks up at you and she says, um, I- I- "Excuse me." Uh, yes, dear. Is this your character voice? Are we I, doing this? I, I don't know. Is it? I like it. What, was that like a country twang? It can be. 
Okay. It could be a country twang. Yeah, let, we're going to start doing character voices, I think. Uh, I'm going to ask the other guys to do that, too, just to give you guys a little bit more uh, personality. So why not, when we talk to NPCs, or if you're, like, talking to the other guys, um, we're going to talk in, in just your character voices. So she says, uh, excuse me. Uh, what can I help you with, sweetheart? Um, uh, I, 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 I hear you're the druid that everyone's been talking about. Is this, is this true? Yes, it is. My, my, my name is, is Alexa. And does that name, uh, remind you of anything, Durf? What? Why? Yes, it does. <laughs> am, am I, uh, it, is she asking me that or are you asking me that? I'm asking you that. No, she's, she doesn't know. She just, she brings up this name to you. And you are kind of taken aback for a second and, and you are brought to think about your past more in, in depth at this point in time. So I guess this is a segue into um, what Durf is all about, what his childhood was like, uh, how he came to be in the situation he is in now. All right. Well, so uh, the reason it's so shocking and perhaps heartbreaking to to meet a little girl named Alexa uh, goes back to when I was a teenager, uh, a young, young teenage druid. And I wanted to connect more with civilization. So I started hanging out more often in Woodhaven, um, Woodhaven proper. Because <laughs> you were just hanging on the outskirts in your in your in your was it a hut or a shack or. I've been calling it a cottage. Oh, cottage. In okay. my head. Okay, that's cool. We'll say cottage. Maybe it's like a cottage. It's like in a big fat tree, you know? Oh, like, yes. Uh, you I know, like it's it. like in a tree that is bulged at the bottom and we live in it. You nice. Know, like, like, you're uh, like a Keebler elf. Exactly. 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 I'm actually good friends with the Keebler elves. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they're dead now, like everybody else. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> so anyway, I started spending more time in town. And, uh, you know, I had kind of a sheltered childhood uh, living out in the woods. Everything was pretty happy as a as a druid. I took a lot of solace in nature. And when I started moving into town, uh, I kind of was uh, struck by the inequality in town. Uh, there were very many. Uh, rich people kind of living in the lap of luxury, but there were also uh, poor people, beggars, uh, people kind of living on the fringes of society. So so I imagine that bothered you as someone who came from kind of like a, a not so wealthy upbringing uh, to see this difference in social status. Well, it did. And I also just felt like uh, it seemed to be a, a town with a, a great deal of bounty. There seemed to be enough for everyone to go around, but mm, okay. uh, there wasn't. Ev- everything was not going around to everyone. Um, there were many people who were uh, struggling to get by while other people had way more than they needed. So that kind of struck me, and I tried to kind of uh, just walk around, meet people, get a better understanding of everything. And uh, one day, as I was wandering around, I saw a young woman about my age. At the time, I was probably, say, 16 or 17 years old. Mm-hmm. She was running away from the direction of uh, um, a, a smelting factory. Hmm. 
uh, <laughs> which uh, smelted things. Right. And I was aware As smelting of this, factories do. Right. I was aware of this smelting factory because I had noticed that the refuse coming from the factory um, had killed all of the vegetation around it. It was a very bleak area. It was also known to be uh, the master of the smelting factory, the owner of the smelting factory, whose name was um, <laughs> Clive Smedley. Right. Uh, oh, was, God, was, Clive. He was known as a, as a tyrant, as a boss. Uh, he treated his workers very badly. And uh, <laughs> so I, I was aware of it, and I saw her running away from the factory. Um, I could tell she'd just gotten into some hijinks over there because she was being chased by city guards. Um, and also she was hurt. She was, uh, she had a, like a cut on her ribs, hmm. uh, abdomen area. Uh, so she was kind of struggling. And so I kind of off to the side, cast a little, little entangle on the, uh, on the guards without them realizing I was there. Um, so they tripped and fell down. Both of them did. And I kind of waved her over and, uh, we escaped. Then I, I healed her up. Mm -hmm. We became friends. Uh, her name was Alexa, Mm -hmm. which is a little girl's name that I talked to. Yeah. So, so you have kind of been, you were reminded of all this and you kind of brought the little girl over and started telling her this story. She just looks like someone that was just looking for a friend. So you you call her up uh, to the seat next to you and you tell her about all this. Well, all right. For a little girl, this story's going to get dark. In a minute. <laughs> just FYI. I think she can um, take it. She can take it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so after we met, became friends, she kind of took me in. She had been... Um, she'd been running from the smelting factory because she had crept in, let's say, uh, <laughs> why was she running from the smelting That's factory? That's a good question. From Clive, what was his last name? Clive, Clive Schmedley. Schmedley. Yeah. Um, Mr. Schmedley. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Schmedley, Clive Schmedley. Oh, had, Schmedley. Uh, I Schmebley. I like Schmebley better. You're right. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Uh, Clive Schmebley had recently uh, crushed an attempt for uh, by his workers to unionize in a particularly brutal fashion. What? What? And what's, what's unionize mean? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, sometimes, voice Alexa. Some. Oh God, how do I fucking talk? <laughs> Listen, I have to do Eugene every fucking episode. <laughs> I, I I know, I know. Um, you do a great job. Thanks. <laughs> well, well, you see, sweetheart. Uh, sometimes when workers at a factory are tired of their boss uh, taking all or most of the money that their labor generates. Uh, they come together in a group and they threaten not to work unless the boss pays them more money. Uh-huh. And that's called a union. Uh-huh. And the workers at the Schmebley smelting factory uh, decided to unionize and Mr. Schmebley uh, paid off some of the town guards to come and <clears throat> chase off 
the the organizers and uh, he killed a few people and he fired a few people and it was a it was a it was a whole big thing. Oh wow, so that sounds scary. It, it was very scary. And Alexa, she had gone to the factory to steal some money from the safe. She was quite a talented thief. She was going to use that money to help the the workers who had been fired get back on their feet. Oh, uh, Alexa sounds like a real good person. I certainly agree. I certainly agree. I'd like to meet her someday. Can I meet her? So, well, <laughs> remember how I mentioned that uh, things were going to get a little dark soon? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let me actually ask you a question. How did you come to be here in this uh, here tower? Oh, shit. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> well, my, I noticed that everybody else around here is adults and there's just a kid walking around. That just seems unusual to me. Well, sir, uh, my mother and father uh, were students here and, and now they work. They work in the cafeteria and the archmage. Well, he lets us children roam around and. Um, we live here, too, with all, with everyone. Oh, OK, good. Well, so most of the wizards, like I'm sure your parents, um, are, are, are pretty good people and I get along just fine with them. But, oh, yeah, uh, they're great. I love them. Yeah, yeah, most of them. Uh, there was this one guy, Felix. Did you ever, did you ever know a guy named Felix around here? Um, I, I may have heard of him once or twice. Oh, okay. Well, so, you know, a little while after I got to know Alexa, a few years later, uh, when I was hanging out with my friends Tug and Carl. Uh, Those are the Felix. other two everyone keeps talking about. Right, right, right. Uh, the little angry guy, by the way, is an inferior burglar to me. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Anyway, so this guy Felix came to our town and he summoned a monster who killed everyone we know. And she just looked at you like with mouth wide open and just kind of slowly backs away and is like, oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I told you this was about to get deep. I, I did warn you. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm really sorry all that happened to you. Um, I I know I'm only a, a little girl, but but if you need anything, if you if I would love to be your friend. Okay, okay. What do you, what do you do around here? Oh, I play chess. Do you? I do. Me too. Do you, do you wanna do you wanna play a game of chess? Sure, I'd love to. She uh, sits at the table across from you and she whoops your fucking ass with some chess. Like three uh, moves and you're done. I think I should get a roll on that. <laughs> okay. All right. Where the fuck are my dice? I didn't even expect dice in this episode. Okay. Uh, I'll roll a <laughs> d20. You roll a d20. And let's see. Shit. 18. I got a two. <laughs> Are you laughing at this little girl across the table? I am a little bit. I am a little bit. I say, sweetheart, listen, the only way you're ever going to get better is if you get beat a few times. So don't feel too bad about that. Uh, well, let's best two out of three. OK, 
All right, so... Uh, are we rolling again? <laughs> no, no need to roll again. Okay. You guys just have a lovely afternoon. You have a lovely afternoon with this girl teaching her chess, and with every game, she gets a, a little, a little bit better. Um, and now you've made a new friend in the Arcane Tower. So what would Tug be doing uh, in his off time on his on this couple days that uh, break? Tug would easily be spending uh, equal parts time um, in what he would consider his workout, which is just uh, body weight uh, exercises, calisthenics, things like that, which would probably be I think he'd do that kind of where his sleeping quarters would be just next to his bed. Okay, cool, cool. And of course, uh, knowing Tug Mug Bar, he would spend the rest of the time in the bar. So we'll say 25% of the time working out, 25% of the time eating, 50% of the time drinking, maybe working out and eating while doing that. It's funny that you say that because I thought that you might say that. So I actually reached out on Twitter and Discord to try to figure out, um, try to find some names for a gym that recently opened up in the Arcane Tower. And my personal, I've got a few. I got Mind Over Magic, uh, Morden Kanan's Magnificent Muscles. Um, let's see. My two favorite for sure is Alter Self, which is actually a um, a uh, spell. It's a transmutation spell, and then the Immovable Bod. I'm good with either of those. I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming it's a CrossFit related. I, I like uh, Alter Self. And yeah. then have it be like a CrossFit style gym. Okay, I like it. All right, they just recently opened it up. Actually, just for you. You guys did such a great job in your first quest. Um, there was an order sent out to uh, to create a training facility for you all um, to kind of kind of push you through to these these next few adventures with a little bit more training. So we'll call it Alter Self, the new Arcane Tower gym. CrossFit. Perfect. All CrossFit all the time. Um, so obviously doing, uh, you know, kipping pull-ups, right. um, throwing around bales of wheat, or <laughs> I think that's a thing they do. Um, tons of protein-related uh, mystery powders, uh, which I'm assuming in a magical arcane tower, there's probably a radical uh, protein powders to be taking. <laughs> um, so obviously doing all those things. Most importantly, I think... Um, you know, with the falling out of Woodhaven and kind of the first time to reflect on it. If you recall, Tug did reflect a little bit in the cafeteria, had a little breakdown in the cafeteria. Yeah, I uh, remember. As the only person that actually kind of got hit with that reality. Um, but so to center see, himself. Yeah, I see Tug as kind of like a gentle giant, I guess. And I think you've made that very apparent. It's, um, ironically enough, a gentle giant who is a halfling. Right. Um, <laughs> But I'd, I'd, I'd say like the bar, the bar itself, less, you know, less so because of the alcohol, more because that's where um, Tug's whole background kind of stems from. It's kind of deeply rooted in him. I think that's where he would go to actually uh, center himself and find himself just because it's a common uh, it's, it's a, the most familiar environment. I think he has access to. Uh, as compared to Woodhaven and all the things that happened there and everything that's happened since we effectively uh, left. So, right, right. Sweet. That, that's why I think he'd be spending a lot of time there. 
Yeah. Okay. So on a, a particular night, um, maybe you just came back from uh, Alter Self Gym and you need some post-workout carbs. So you walk into the brewery a little bit close to closing time and there's no one in here except the bartender who's kind of like wiping off the counter. Um, and you, you take a seat and he says, uh, yeah, what can I get you, bub? Um, you know, hand me a broom. I'll help you out. We'll close this thing up. I'll help you out. Hand oh. me a broom. Well, you're a hell of a guy. What's your name? Uh, tug, tug Mug Bar of formerly known Woodhaven, now no longer existing on this map. <laughs> he says, um, tell, you, tell, tell me your story, Tug. I want to hear it. So this is kind of just kind of like, I didn't want to get into like this whole conversation you have with this guy. Um, and, but uh, this is kind of propelling you into telling all of us about uh, what's going on with Tug. What, what was his background story like? Where did he come from? Uh, why would, is he working at the bar? Why is he a monk? All this kind of stuff. So, uh, Tell you what, old man. Oh, wait. The, you, this... you want to do it in uh, character voice? Want to practice this? Uh, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. If we're, if we're doing uh, character voices. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely doing character voices. So did Jamal do a voice? Oh, yeah. He did. He's he's doing like a Western Kentucky Paducah voice. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay. All right. Tell you what. <laughs> Hold on. Because <laughs> I said I'd do like an action movie trailer guy. In a world. In a world. <laughs> like, tell you what, old man. Give me a broom. I'll tell you a story. When I was when I was when I was a kid in Woodhaven. Father died way too young. Obviously, ju- just young enough to have a kid. Am I right? I'm here. Oh, yeah. You're right. I Mom guess. worked. No other kids. I was a piece of shit, to be quite honest. I really ended up kind of getting into a lot of trouble. No, 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 no surprise there. Getting a lot of trouble. Found my way. To the local pub, which I have no idea what we called it the first episode, by the way. <laughs> it was uh, uh, the – oh, shit. What was it called? You called the drink the sweaty toad. It was the leaky toad. The leaky toad. Yep. Mill, milling around town, I uh, ended up picking up a job at the leaky toad, sweeping up, helping open up the, the bar, leaving, going to school, doing a- academics, air quotes <laughs> academics. <laughs> Coming back at night, close it down for a couple gold pieces. I was supposed to be sharing with my mom, help pay, uh, you know, for food and things like that. But I always kind of kept half of it, you know, not not a really forward thinking kid. Certainly didn't take care of my mom like she took care of me. But I ended up being in a bar a lot, a lot, a lot. Ended up not really going to school. Just kind of figured, I'll just kind of ride out this bar thing. Had a good, uh, a good relationship. Uh, with uh, the, the bartender and, and bar owner, Dozer Kegtas, great guy, great guy. So we ended up just getting tons of hours in there, tons of hours, kind of became my second home. Uh, a lot of older folks that would come in before work, after work, crazy people always taking care of me. Because they're always taking care of me, uh, it felt like I finally had a full family, you know, single kid, you know, mom no dad it fucked up across the board 
So what do I do? I end up in a fucked up situation getting raced by a bunch of alcoholics in a bar. It's that kind of how it works out. Anyways, back to the story. So I'm sitting in a bar one day and, uh, you know, there's this old man at the end of the bar. He's always there, always there, always there, always there. And Dozer always keeps giving him free beer. He's the only guy that doesn't charge for these beers. So I look at Dozer and say, hey, what's the deal with the old man at the end of the bar? How come you always give him free drinks? And he goes, well, he works here. He's the bouncer here. He works here. I'm like, bullshit, he works here. I haven't seen him do anything. I work here. I sweep the floors. I clean the glasses. I pick up the tables. What does he do? He goes, oh, he's our bouncer. Our bouncer. He's, a, he's an 80-pound old man. Rosacea looks terrible. <laughs> looks terrible. <laughs> sipping, on his, sipping on his drinks. Every time he stumbles out, can't even walk. Dozer looks at me and he says, he's our bouncer. You just, you haven't spent enough time here. You spent enough time here. You pay attention. You, you'll, you, you might learn something. Sure as shit, next day, come in. People getting unruly. Some sort of strike amongst, I don't know, other manual laborers. Taking it out on the bar. People getting heated. People yelling at each other. The old man gets up. Uh, he stumbles out of his chair. That's probably more accurate. Stumbles out of his chair, looks at me, gives me a wink and a gun. <laughs> I look at those. I'm like, is this, is this going to happen? Those are waves to me. He says, you pay attention. All right. This old man goes up, stumbles four feet to the right, three feet to the left, two forward, one back, one foot, circles his arms around. Two seconds later, there's two guys on the ground and one guy screaming like a girl. I don't even know what I saw. It was it was the craziest thing ever. The two guys on the ground, they crawl out. The guy screaming like a girl, peed his pants a little bit. He leaves. Everybody else settles act down. And I look at Dozer, what the hell was that? He goes, that's, he's a bouncer. I don't know. That's just what he does. Go over and start talking to the old man. I'm like, old man, what what is all this? He goes, ah, get me a drink and we'll, we'll talk. Grab him a drink. Fast forward. I'm going to picture uh, picture an action montage. <laughs> we fast forward three months. He's got me drinking and training. It was, in, uh, to be, it was a lot of fun. It was like one of the things I wasn't allowed to do yet because I wasn't old enough. But since the old man was giving me the beers, it all kind of worked out. Training. So I was getting stronger, learning how to protect myself. And... Uh, Effectively, people people call it the monastic tradition of drunken arts. Uh, I call it brawling. Um, <laughs> less focused on the stylings of uh, the monk traditions, more worried about uh, you know hitting somebody with a knuckle sandwich and maybe a bar or you know maybe a beer mug sitting on top of the bar. Improvised weapons, all sorts of shit. So he shows me all this, and I was like, well, I, uh, I appreciate that, but I'm just a busboy here. And he goes, someday, you, someday you'll get to be just like me. And for somebody who had never had a future before or never really thought about it, being an old grizzle guy sitting at the corner of the bar getting free drinks paid at the same time and beating up on some people sounds pretty good. Plus, I'm short, makes me feel good, boosts my self-esteem. End of the day, I end up being able to roll around with the best of them. Old man, hella dead. <laughs> took over that part, kind of did double duty. Dozer didn't want to hire another guy. He kinda, so he's making out like a bandit. He's paying me for one job. I'm doing two. Total horseshit. 
long story short, end up being able to throw the fists around pretty good. Thought my life would start and end in that bar. Now it's just continuing in this bar. Everything I know, knew and, and uh, understood is gone. Got my two buds. We hang out at the bar all the time. I kind of thought that was going to be my entire life, and that sounds pretty good to me. So all in all, the long and short of it, and yes, I'm short. Laugh if you want. <laughs> We're here in this moment now, and that is a little bit about me. Well, Tug, Tug that is a hell of a story, I got to tell you. Uh, you seem like an an okay guy, and and I'd like to learn a little bit from you, and I'd like to teach a little a little bit a little bit about the bar myself. Uh, you you say you lived your whole life as a bar back, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I tell you what, you come here anytime. I'll teach you how to make drinks with the rest of them, with the best of them. That's incredibly convenient because I just recently became proficient with brewer's tools. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. But I like it. I like it. Check your charts. Check check your charts. <laughs> it's a real thing. Dude, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> Sweet. So so your whole backstory kind of explains why you chose the drunken master feet, right? You saw this guy at the bar, this old man, uh, who you didn't think anything of, but turns out he had some badass fighting skills. Um, in a, a, he learned how to fight in a drunken state. So that's why you chose it. And that's kind of your deal. So that's fucking awesome. Um, let's see. Don't worry about talking in your character voice, uh, at this point, this is just going to be me and you kind of talking, but, um, so Woodhaven is destroyed. Obviously, uh, you said you had a mother, um, your, your two best buds are with you. Uh, but it seems like you've lost your mother and the, uh, guy who kind of raised you as as a father figure in the bar um how do you feel about all that now and how how do you feel about the quest and kind of kind of what's happening this is like i said before this is your first time getting to a break in the quest where there's not so much action so you have a lot of time to reflect on on what's going on um by yourself so what's kind of going through tug's tug's mind with all that I think uh, besides Tug being lost and anguished over his loss of the town and uh, the people he would consider his family and friends outside of obviously Carl and Durf, I think uh, I think he's more irritated by the fact that he doesn't have a lot of control over the quest right now. Um, he feels the only reason he's committed to doing these things is – uh, because Carl and Durf are going, and he doesn't want to separate himself from that. But mm-hmm. he has zero faith in uh, right now in you know the the top wizard and um, Tess. Like no faith in that. Um, he has a lot of questions that he hasn't really felt have been answered, um, and and things that he finds are pretty important that needed to be addressed. But at this point, he kind of feels like a just like a, a boat in the waves with no direction, just kind of getting pushed around. Um, again, not feeling a lot of confidence in the folks at the Arcane Tower. Um, kind of feels like we're fulfilling someone else's agenda rather than proactively making our own mm-hmm. and following what we think we should be doing. Right. And although Tug isn't really a uh, self-motivated person, he's at least understanding of 
he, he might not be a self-motivated person to aspire to be greater, but he certainly wants to always put himself in the environment that he chooses to be in, not that he's forced to be in. Right, right. Um, and this entire mission or quest or whatever you want to call it so far has absolutely shoved him in radical directions that he wouldn't ever have chosen for himself. Right. So I think he's having a hard time coming to grips with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, really solidified by the fact that there's just not a lot of answers coming out of uh, the people that are directing the directions in which they're being pushed. Okay, cool. So he, he feels like he's just kind of along for the ride now and really he wants that uh, that control and that understanding of, of what he's doing is the right thing and it is the the main path to achieving a goal that's going to help him and his friends in the long run, instead of uh, worrying about, about hitting someone else's agenda. So that makes sense. Okay. I mean, right, right now it just kind of, right now it just kind of feels like we are trying to do the right thing with absolutely no um, distinct, End reward game. or yeah, end game or right. right at the end of the tunnel for us. But it seems like the wizard and Tess, they do see an end mm-hmm. game and we are just not privy to that. And that's frustrating. Right. That makes sense. And it's like, that's the only thing you have to go off of right now. There's it's all. Yeah. And it's also incredibly frustrating and something else that kind of like in not only in, in me as a player, but me as tug uh, or tug, is uh, there is literally an entire tower of wizards, yet us three are the ones responsible for going on these ridiculous things. Hmm. And I feel like that's kind of obnoxious. That's a good point. And I think what I tried to do in this last arc was make it apparent that you are the only ones not affected by these items that you need to collect based on the marks on your hand and based on the fact that you grabbed it and nothing happened to your personality, you didn't change, you didn't feel like uh, tempted to use the power of the, of the gear. So I think that's where I was trying to go with that, where it was like, okay, obviously something special about you three, um, and you might not know what that is yet, but anyone else who tried to take on this quest would be overcome by the power of these items. Uh, you three are different. That makes sense. No, that makes that makes tons of sense. Tons of sense. Yeah. So that's good. Um, okay. So you kind of finish helping this bartender. He he introduces his his name. Uh, he is a human. Uh, his name is. Um, um, I did come up with a name for uh, for the skinny guy, which I forgot. Um, until I just checked my notes and I'm pretty sure I wrote it down as Ricketts McDougal. I love it. Fuck it. Okay. That's it. Um, okay. So you finish up cleaning up the, the bar with this bartender and, uh, he introduces himself as a guy named Ricketts McDougal. Um, <laughs> that's the bartender's name. Uh, he takes you back and you guys clean the glasses um, and he closes and locks the door and he actually offers you a drink uh, and you guys sit at the back of the bar and drink and you show him how to make a sweaty tub, actually. So you kind of learn from each other and hang out for the rest of the evening uh, and now you've got a, a, another buddy um, in the Arcane Tower.
So what would Carl be doing in this break that he has uh, in between adventures? Carl, I spend most of my time uh, reflecting on the events that have passed. Uh, The loss of Woodhaven, uh, Jill in such a short period, uh, has really kind of shook my foundation in my faith. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, like... You know, up until that point, my life had been uh, really nice, really good. Uh, The passing of my father was the the really only major event that was a truly low point. Um, And I had many fond memories of Woodhaven and my father that really brought joy to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, with the destruction of, of Woodhaven, I've lost all of those memories. OK, so where where do you think Carl would go to to be in this alone space where he can kind of reflect on on the gods and and why all this happened to your town and your family? Uh, the main place I spend my time is the observatory. Oh, yeah. OK. Uh, it's just a space where, you know, there's a lot it's a good place for reflection right yeah Um, so this was this big wide open room on the uh i believe it was like the eighth floor um where you you can enter these pods and get shot out of the of the arcane tower and um kind of uh just explore the space around you and it's very very reflective kind of place when when you're high above this glass lake with the stars above you so uh that's that's pretty cool so on a on a specific day that you um, head up there, you actually spot Tess, um, who, like I said before, she she is kind of waiting out these dust storms uh, before she opens a portal to take you to the Red Sands. So she's up there, um, and sh- she was looking to get into one of these pods, and you see her, and she spots you too, and she says, um, "Oh, oh, hey, Carl, how's it going?" Hi Tess, uh, I'm I'm doing okay. How are you, how are you doing? I I'm I'm all right. This is this is a lot. Uh, you know, with with everything that's going on, this this quest and and losing Felix, who is a real real good friend of mine, and I don't understand why he did what he did. Um, obviously, it's just been been crazy. I just sometimes I come up here to to relax and and just get my mind right. Are are you are you heading out? I. Yeah, you know, just like you, I was just looking for a place to kind of have some time to reflect on everything that's happened. Well, well, tell you, why don't we why don't we go out together? We can chat. I'd, I'd really like that. Okay, so um, this is where the other guys came up with character voices. <laughs> yeah, don't know if you've thought about yours yet. Like, I feel like he would be more meek. Yeah, I mean, and... that's cool. I could sense that from the way you just talk to Tess, like you're, you're kind of hesitant, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, if you want to do your normal voice, maybe just like slightly different, um, maybe, maybe like further on into the quest, you can gain more confidence and, uh, you know, your, Speak with your voice changes authority and yeah, right. As, as you go on. But yeah, I think that's actually a great idea to start. All right. Okay. So, um, yeah, so you say this to Tess and she, she kind of calls you over to one of the bigger pods. Um, and you guys enter it 
and she says, I've, a- I've actually been working on this one a little bit more um, since I come up here a lot. Check this out. And she pushes a button on the wall and it shuts. And this is like a pure black cylinder. And you guys go flying out um, and you go further than you did before. Uh, you keep going, you keep going. You can feel the, the pod shaking and shaking. And all of a sudden it comes to a stop um, and the doors open back up. And you are now standing on a, a rocky cliff on one of the walls of the crater that surrounds this this glass lake with the with the arcane tower in the middle. Um, and she walks out and gestures to this this rock bench that she has there that kind of overlooks this whole beautiful beautiful scene. Um, and Tess says, uh, "Carl, t- tell me tell me about yourself. Tell me, I want to I want to know your story." Well, Tess, I uh, I guess the best place to start is how I came to be who I am. Um, it's kind of funny, you know. Every son wants to follow in his father's footsteps, and at a young age, I was playing in the cellar. Uh, I found a, a old wooden box, and I opened it. And inside was some armor and a a shield and a sword. And, you know, every little boy wants to be a knight. And so I spent months playing with that armor, you know, just something that I found. Um, And then one night I was playing and my father caught me. Your your father, he caught you playing with your sword. Uh, <laughs> it sounds bad, and it wasn't my sword, but <laughs> he, he he caught you playing with somebody else's sword. That just sounds also bad, but <laughs> it's what I was doing. No, uh, it was actually his sword and shield uh, that I came to find out. I didn't know that he was a paladin before becoming a cleric. Um, it was a real surprise. And out of, you know, concern for my safety, he started teaching me the sword and the shield. Um, not as a way to, you know, hurt others, but as a way to protect myself and my family and my friends. And we trained for years um, until his passing shortly after Jill was born. Wow. I, I can only imagine what, what you're going through, losing your father and then, well, basically everyone else. I still hold out hope that, that Jill's alive. I mean, I didn't see her dead body. And she's the only family I have left. So I have to hold on to the fact that you know, somewhere out there, she's still alive and I'm going to find her. Uh, so, so, so Carl, uh, which you're, you're a paladin. Um, who, who do you follow? Who, who is your God? I follow Mishakal like my father. Uh, she's the patron of healing and motherhood and restoring the lost, which seems fitting seeing as how I've lost almost everything but i don't understand why she would allow this to happen 
losing a, a whole town and a whole family is just unthinkable. So, so would you say you, and this is just me talking now, cause sure, yeah. we get into the character stuff. This is really great. This is really great stuff. Um, but so you are a, uh, you're a paladin, but you chose the oath of treachery. Um, right. Is this because, and I, I'm just making assumptions here. Is this because you seem to be like struggling with your faith? So you're not necessarily a treacherous person, but you no. So let me pull that up because the, uh, what there was something specific that oh it describes it called called to me yeah so it's who if we're, the oath of treachery is one who if we're sworn other oaths uh, who only care for their own power and survival um, it was more like caring like I want the power to like exact retribution kind of thing. Ah, uh, okay. So it's more like a, um, like a you, you've been put under a lot of pain and right. loss, and you just want justice. I'm searching for any what is going to be the easiest and fastest way possible to get retribution. Right. Um, and like in theory, like down the line, I would maybe realize that this is not the path. Like trying to do it on my own, like right, not on my own, but that I will. It'll take more than just me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. And at that point, switching, like, I'll realize that and then kind of renounce the Oath of Treachery and pick up one of the, like, more one of the other sacred oaths. Okay, yeah. That would fit that. I think that's really, that's a cool kind of character, uh, characteristic that you have where um, maybe you're, you're not so faithful right now because you're kind of confused because of all the stuff that happened and just just being a 20 something and just not right. not really having much guidance and and not knowing where you're at and uh yeah so so yeah so the oath of treachery not so much you are an evil treacherous person but you really just don't know who to follow so right you're lost okay so you and you and tess kind of chat back and forth uh for a while a couple of hours actually um and you get to know her a little bit better. She tells you about about her family, her parents that live in the arcane tower and they studied as students um and so she's kind of grown up this whole her whole life in the arcane tower and she met Felix, he was one of our classmates, and um they got to talking and they were kind of they were kind of together almost. I mean, they were they were really great friends. And uh, Tess tells you that she feels like maybe it started blossoming into more than that. And then, um, you know, all this stuff started happening, and and she just feels totally betrayed, and she's somewhat lost as well. Uh, so you guys connect on a deep level out there, uh, outside the arcane tower. Um, and as the, the night grows darker, she, she rests her head on your shoulder. Um, and you just enjoy, enjoy that moment together. All right. Cool. So I'm going to read this. This is going to go at the end of the episode, but since you're on, I guess I'll read it anyway. Um, now this epilogue is not something you hear or see, so you don't know that this is happening. Your character doesn't. Okay. Cue music. A dark green haze covers the ground like a sheet, rising in wisps behind a floating shadow as it creeps through the silent ruins of the beloved town. 
Below the haze, the once cobbled streets are covered by a layer of wet, black earth and tar. The thick mass spreads and climbs up over broken remains of shops, homes, and bodies. The figure halts at a familiar establishment. A wooden sign in the shape of a toad still clings on by a chain above the doorframe, hanging still on this windless night. As the figure approaches the broken countertop, a gray hand reaches up from the tar to clutch at his cloak. Under a dark hood, the figure smiles.